What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Really, we're changing one guy's alignment and everyone else is doing the same thing within the structure of the defense. And it's been really advantageous for us, especially winning first down, because a lot of teams have the game plan for that guy and they don't know where he's going to be or necessarily what he's going to do on each given down. Today's episode is about winning first down on defense. And we're joined by Montel Allen, the defensive coordinator at the University of Chicago. He joined head coach Todd Gilchrist, junior staff, in February of 2023, and the Maroons are off to a solid start in Coach Gilchrist's tenure. We dig into a number of ideas from creating a multiple system while remaining simple so players can execute, training hybrid players, and keys to growing in the coaching profession. Be sure to stay tuned to our Winning Edge takeaways and ideas for implementation following the interview. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. Today, we're going to talk about winning first down 
and how to do that from a three and four down system, pairing those together efficiently. And joining me to talk about those things, the defensive coordinator at the University of Chicago, Montel Allen. Coach, great to have you here on the podcast. Hey, Coach. I really appreciate you taking time. I'm an avid listener. I'm really, really excited to talk some ball and give back to the community. Definitely appreciate you being here. You always meet people, even going to AFC. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've met, you know, waiting for a flight or on a plane. You were one of those guys we got to talking right before our flight to Nashville here going to AFCA. So it was great to be able to connect there in person. And certainly I'm looking forward to the things we're going to discuss here today. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk about winning first down, PN10. And you guys were 12th in the nation. There's a lot of things that go into that. I know from having been on the other side of the ball, it is probably an area that gets game planned just as much or maybe even more than your third down and red zone type of things. It's very important. You look at the analytics and, and statistics. It's very important to win that first down, especially when it's P and 10. Absolutely, Coach. I mean, for us, you know, we take pride in winning first down. It's a big thing and something that I think in our game gets not, you know, sold enough and not enough promotion in terms of winning first down. Everyone in our game, you know, wants to start fast, start fast, start fast. And that's kind of been the model, especially from the offensive model. But we're doing the same thing defensively. Our kind of philosophy is we're not going to defend anything. We're going to attack, and we're going to put the pressure on the offense. So what we have been able to do is do a lot of different things from a three- and four-down system to put us in an advantageous position to throw off what a lot of offensive coordinators do from their opener's perspective. When looking at any situation and looking at what you're trying to accomplish on offense, you know, I think – remember hearing Jim Trestle use a, an old business quote, you get what you manage, right? You get what you focused on. And so yes, sir. there's so many things we can focus on, so many things we can tell our players. But if you tell them too much, all of those things lose meaning. So for you guys, how does that message come across about the importance of especially P and 10 in winning that situation? What are the things that you guys are sharing with your players right up front to create that philosophy, that belief, that mindset of we're going to get out on the field and win this first down. I really think it stems from how we structure practice and how we've done it since camp. What we do here at the University of Chicago is that we start every practice with what we call a high five period. And that is a multitude of things, whether it's P and 10 first down, whether it's the tempo period, we like to put our guys in those situations to where we got to start practice fast. And that's kind of a, you know, a situational thing that's kind of ingrained in our guys from the jump. When we talk about, you know, the game planning perspective, us as a coaching staff do a really good job of making sure that we know what we're going to see. We look at everything that our other offenses are doing from a first down perspective and through a drive sequencing perspective. And we give our guys a nice cheat sheet kind of spark no game plan from what to expect. But one thing that we really like to do, Coach, is really allow our guys to play fast and overcome coaching. So we want to give our guys the rules in the situations at hand so that our guys can play fast and understand what they're doing in each given situation. And I think how we structure practice from doing these high five periods, from doing these tempo periods and starting fast and doing things fast right out of the gate and not waiting, you know, for Indy per se, I think that's really paid dividends to us and understanding how to come right out of the box roll the ball out there and be prepared for any situation at hand. From the offensive perspective, when we're putting together a game plan and looking at things, the more you can fill up that eight box that I'm looking at and drawing up for my players in the game plan, the more difficult it becomes for us. we got to account for a lot of things. That's right. I think this game is all about 
what can you do to make it so simple for your guys but complex for the other team? And that really applies to any phase of the game. And I know that's something you look at and you're able to do with your ability to move from a three down to a four down type of system. Yes, sir. And I kind of adopted this and stole this, you know, if you will, like we all say we do in this profession from uh, studying Jim Knowles and what he's done with kind of that little rush outside backer in the floating three technique. So for us, we kind of do a similar deal to where we have a stand-up outside boundary end that we move around and put guys in a bind that allows him to know where he's going, but it gives, you know, the Mike ID points and throws guys off from an offensive perspective. So that's been a really advantageous position for us. It's a really fun position that a lot of guys in our defense have have had a lot of production. We've had some all-conference guys play that position for us. And for us, it allows us to have that guy do a lot of similar skill set things, but be in a different position, whether we align him to the field in the nine technique, whether we bubble him off as a bubbled off three technique, whether we put him to the boundary, whether we stack him as what the offense would deem as the Mike linebacker, the middle of the three, we put that guy in different positions so they don't know where he's going and they don't know how to ID him, whether he's blitzing or if we drop that guy into coverage. So we kind of like to think of this phrase as multiplicity through simplicity to where it's really we're changing one guy's alignment and everyone else is doing the same thing within the structure of the defense. And it's been really advantageous for us, especially winning first down, because a lot of teams have to game plan for that guy and they don't know where he's going to be or necessarily what he's going to do on each given down. Jim Knowles spoke about those things. He did a, a clinic talk. He was at Oklahoma State at the time at Lawrence first and goal. Yes, sir. He called it playing offense on defense. And it was really built around this idea of, of what you said, that what he calls the Leo position, right? How he uses that Leo position to his advantage and really creates some place for him, makes that guy a playmaker in the defense. So, one, my first question is, what do you call that guy in your defense? And two, physically – athletically what are the attributes you look for in that type of player so for us we call that guy the rush the rush backer the rush outside backer and from an attribute perspective we look to have about a, a 6'2 225 230 pound kid here at the division three level that is strong enough to play the point of attack and take on an offensive tackle consistently but athletic enough to do your basic hook drop 10 to 12 on the hash as well as expanding to the flat. And we expect that guy to be able to carry tight ends on split flow. So that guy's got a lot of different skill sets that we look for. The biggest thing that that guy's got to be able to do is primarily he's got to be able to rush the passer. That's the first skill set that that guy's got to be able to entail because that's the first thing that we're going to ask that guy to do when we stem into a nine technique to the boundary and we isolate him on that blind side. That guy, first and foremost, has to have the ability to be able to rush the passer and have a couple signature moves to go to. From there, that kid's also got to have some savvy to him and be able to understand, you know, route concepts and be able to understand what's coming with when he has to drop in the hook and what has to do when he has to drop to the flat and what he has to carry. So that guy, you know, specifically, we have our, his own coach. So a lot of guys have a D-line guy, linebacker guy. That guy, that, that position in and of itself has its own coach, uh, my man, Coach Meckley. Um, he came over to us from Hillsborough High School down in Tampa, and he, and he helped me out immensely being able to take over that group and do a phenomenal job with those guys. So it's a very, you know, specific position with a lot of different skill sets involved. But overall, you know, it's a really fun position that a lot of guys want to come play in this defense because, quite frankly, Coach, they're going to make a lot of plays. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. And I want to get into how that guy's trained here in a little bit. So you mentioned multiplicity through simplicity. And in in doing that, it's all about how you set up your structure, 
how good you are with the language and terminology that creates that. So what do you guys do to make that multiple yet at the same time simple? So we're a one-word defensive call system, and then from there we allow the defensive backs and everybody dictate the coverage checks in the field. And then what we do to present different fronts, what we kind of establish and what I had uh, learned from my time at Lehigh under the tutelage of Mike Asherba is that we created these weather terms and these weather fronts. And what it is is it's another one-word call to represent certain things. So, for instance, let's say storm, that would be stack for us. That means that we're going to give a 3-3 stack presentation to the offense. However, we're going to know exactly where that rush outside backer is going to have to be by the time the ball is snapped. A la if we go frost, that means rush across the center. And then we're going to do different ways in, in presenting to where we're going to put that guy across the center and put a bind to almost give a pseudo crossfire simulation pressure kind of picture to the offense. So how we do it is through a one-word call system, and then we tag different fronts to it. And all that really is telling is going to tell where that guy needs to end up post-staff. And it's going to give a lot of different presentations to the offense to where they're not going to know what that guy's doing. And there's going to be times to where he's not doing anything. Quite frankly, we're just having that guy there for smoke and mirrors, but it's a really awesome tool that we've been able to implement through a one-word call system that allows us to be simple and effective. And like I said at the beginning, let our players play fast and overcome coaching because as we all know, we can have all the cool coaching points and all the cool sayings and all the cool things, right? But we're not out there having to you know, win the game on third and long when the game's on the line. So I think for us, making things one-word calls and teaching our guys on the front end conceptually has paid a lot of dividends as opposed to making these long, grandiose calls to try to tag everything in there. We like to let our guys have some autonomy out there and knowing what the parameters within the call, what they can do on any given down. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas State champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. From a multiplicity standpoint, how many fronts have you been able to create utilizing, you know, as you said, you're going to use weather terms for your fronts. How many of those are in your playbook? In our playbook, we have 12. We were able to implement effectively eight of them this past year. There was four that, that, that are kind of outlier ones that we didn't necessarily need, but we have at our disposal. And they all are under the guise of our base 425 structure, and they all work from the run fit perspective to where it's not going to change anything but one gap for one guy, and that's really going to be our rush backer. So run fits are definitely an important part of being a multiple front defense. Guys need to understand where they're going, and I think some of the the, the best guys who have talked about that on the podcast have talked about really that being a universal fit system, yeah. meaning there's the structure behind that as well, that – uh, guys understand where they're going. So how do you create that fit system for them? 
for us, so we operate out of what we call in, in our quarter system, a bonus fit system. And what that is, is, is a lot of people in the profession know, you know, in, in a too high, you know, quarter system, you're always going to try to look to buy that bonus defender at the point of attack. So for us, we put the onus on our safeties to really understand based off the front that we are giving our rush backer to where they're going to end up within that weather front. So they're affected by it as well, but they just have to really understand where that guy's going to be and how that affects them. And I always like to put that on the safeties because they have time and distance to make it right. So for us, implementing our run-fit structures, it's really quite simple. We operate out of what I like to call a hang-plug-fold system to where the middle guy is always going to be the plug player who's always going to be the guy spilling things out to the edge. The hang player is going to be that guy that's always going to be to the RPO side. And the fold player is always going to be opposite of where that flow is going and that gap is flowing to them. So overall, it's been a really effective system for us. And it's a really simple kind of way for our guys to understand where they got to be, no matter what front structure that we give in any given call. You said you had 12 fronts, yes. eight of them that you were able to implement. When you look at advantages of those fronts, especially in terms of you know what you're going to see, and we do see more and more teams Getting into heavier personnel, 12 has become a big part of the game. We're seeing 21 come back and get into short-yarded situations. You're seeing 32, 23 type of personnel with you know multiple tight ends, multiple backs in the game. Yep. Now, your guy at 6'2", 225, somewhere in that range, at the Division three level is pretty well suited to be able to stay in the game against those. But I know as you look at just what teams might do and the maybe the advantages in their personnel you know i think one way to to take that guy out of the game is to get the matchup you want so i know people are trying to do that but you know your thoughts first on the the type of fronts that work best um, for the things you see and then dealing with some of those things that coaches are trying to do to create those mismatches in terms of the most success that we had uh, in terms of our front, it, it was more mostly coach out of our base four two five, just because that was what we spent the most time on. And then from our weather front that we dabbled in, I would say out of storm front, the stack look, because it allowed us to do a lot of different pressures out of that from a fire zone perspective. But when it comes to kind of a game planning and, and using heavier personnels, quite frankly, coach, we, we match personnel with personnel. So that would be a time to where that type of guy, we would exchange him for a defensive end. A hand of the dirt guy if they were wanted to go heavier 12 or 13 or, or, or 22 and what have you and we faced that a couple times this year especially a couple of teams that wanted to run true triple option true true split veer and a couple of teams that wanted to run true 12 and 13 personnel duo schemes we would just exchange that guy out and, and do a true you know four down five shade three and five technique and have tight fronts and have our guy you know have our field overhangs kind of keep everything bottled in there so from that perspective coach we really are you know kind of personnel driven as well when teams want to you know go ahead and put some heavier bodies in there we're going to match that as well and just looking at the advantages you feel of, of some of these different fronts you know whether that be a, a three down a tight front you know the situations you look to use those and you know what everybody's going to try to do as a, as a base this is where they like to start their attack yep how do you kind of look just from a, a general perspective of what things work best and what gets into a game plan or not yeah the first thing that i usually like to dabble in with my different front systems is looking at third down and looking at heavy pass situations and looking at 
what protections are we seeing? What are they sliding? What's going to dictate their slide, whether it's back location, whether it's the center pointing it, whether it's the quarterback IDing it. We do a really deep dive study week to week as to what's going to determine the slide. And then we go through our bank, our 12 bank of different fronts and what's going to force, you know, what's going to give us the best chance at man protection. What's going to get them to slide the way we want to for this pressure. So we do a, an extensive look each week to really determine what's going to determine their pass protection and how can we beat that. Because at the end of the day, in, in this game, the more that we can win third down as well and, and be in an advantageous position in passing situations, that's what we're looking to do defensively, especially when, you know, for us, we struggled at times in the back end. So we wanted to make sure that to take the heat off, we wanted to be able to have an effective measure to be able to get after that quarterback to not put guys in that coverage bind to have to cover for three-plus seconds. So a big thing for us is really analyzing week to week what guys are doing protection-wise, and that really dictates which fronts we'll take into each given week that's going to give us the most advantageous position in those critical situations. The having to cover for three-plus seconds is a big one. Uh, we see the best teams at any level right now. Their, their quarterbacks are getting the ball out quick too. Right? Yes. So there's that idea of what can we do to take away some of these, these passes that are going to come out in two to two and a half seconds versus being able to create a coverage that forces a, a quarterback deeper into progression. And there's, you know, there's obviously different strategies that go along with that. So when you look at, you know, usually you start with that guy, what, what does he do well? And what, what do we need to do to defend that? You know, that's right. How do you start to figure out like the, the coverage packages you like to use and the different tools you're going to build into a game plan. Really, sometimes you got to account for both of those things. Absolutely, Coach. So the first thing that, that kind of my process that I like to go through is I'll watch the most recent game and I'll just watch, I'll just watch the quarterback, watch his mannerisms, watch what he's doing, look to where he's looking at in, in X number of situations. And I'll sit there and I have a chart, a field zone chart. And, and what is he doing on, on X given times? And then I'll watch it through the second time through. I'll start timing. How fast is he getting the ball off? Is it even going to be worth us pressuring? Are we even going to be able to get home? And that's the second thing I'll take into account. And then from there, given knowing which situation I'm going to see how fast he's getting the ball off, or is it going to be true drop back or if he's moving the pocket, that's kind of how I'll build my bank alongside my D line coach with how we're going to do this, how we're going to implement this and what's our most effective way to get after him. And then circling the wagon from a coverage perspective, that's when I'll go kind of pair everything together to give us the best advantageous thing to be able to trap where we need to trap or we need to, you know, bracket a guy that, that's going to be a problem for us. So it really it all starts with the quarterback and kind of his tendencies, right? Because play callers are going to have their play calls, but a quarterback in and of itself is going to have his own tendencies as a player. He's going to have his guy that he's looking to go to, and he's going to have his certain plays or certain concepts where he's targeting a certain guy. And especially at our level, I think that those those tendencies are a little more telling um, just from the sheer um you know, skill level per se, you know, across the board from an offensive line, from them being able to protect and the schemes that, that we're able to see. I think overall quarterbacks at this level and really every level are really going to have tells in terms of where they're trying to go with the football. And that's something that I, I do a big, big thing on studying to know formationally specifically where that guy's going with the ball. And then we structure our coverages around that. Getting back into your rush linebacker I mentioned wanting to get into 
how he's trained. Obviously a guy with a, a multiple skill set, right? On the offensive side of the ball, we see more and more of those guys to be the tight ends. Right. Kind of the same kind of of uh, body type that you talk about, athleticism that you talk about, right? Correct. That's, on the offensive side, people look to create some multiplicity with those guys. You're looking to do it with your rush linebacker. All of those guys, either side of the ball, have a lot to train and get good at. So, you know, the idea, again, of multiplicity through simplicity, how do you keep it simple for training that guy up and getting him ready to play? So, as you said, you know, that there's not a lot of thinking on, especially first down that you want to win, and that that guy's out there doing what he can do naturally. The thing with that position group and with that guy, to be quite honest, that guy has a little bit more front-end work in terms of an indie perspective and a skill set perspective. So, that guy in that position group, you know, while sometimes we'll go to seven on seven, he's going to still be doing indie while the D-line's doing something else. So that guy, it's really important that that position group has his own coach, primarily because he's going to need the most indie, quite frankly, out of everyone because he has to do so many different skill type things. So for us, we structure our, our defensive practice to allow that guy to get the most indie and to go over the things that we're going to do from a week-to-week perspective. Because generally, we're not going to ask that guy every week-to-week to have to know the route concepts to be a hook dropper, be a flat dropper, and do this, that, and the third. What we do is we kind of make that guy's world small from a package perspective week to week so that he knows this week I got to worry about doing five things and these five things, and then quite frankly, we just rep the heck out of it. We get that guy in those different positions a, a lot of different ways at a lot of different times, and we just really try to get that guy as many reps as possible doing these different skill set things because there's not enough time in the day. All of us coaches are fighting, scratching, clawing with the head man to, to get more indie. So us as a defense, we kind of pencil in and we create our own 10 more minute indie blocks for that guy specifically so we can get the skills that he needs to get done. So that's kind of how we've been able to develop that position by stealing indie throughout practice and, you know, cross-training that guy, bringing him over to seven-on-seven sessions while maintaining his pass rush ability. Because like I said at the beginning, the first skill set that we look at in in that player is that he's got to be able to rush the passer. So the first thing that he's always going to be doing, that guy's generally out to practice early, working with our D-line coach, working on his pass rush, working on his hands, working on his rush angles. And then once we get flowing with practice and stuff like that, that guy's on on a full course sprint for about 40 minutes of doing different indie skill sets and different things like that to get himself in a position to where he's stealing reps constantly at these different skill sets. So by the time Saturday rolls around, he's seen everything a multitude of times and have done these things a multitude of ways to where we feel comfortable putting that guy in those different positions to be successful on Saturday. So the long and short of it, Coach, is that we really have to manufacture stealing indie for that guy to make sure that we get all the skills that he's going to need in a given week accomplished, or else I'm putting that red line right through the call sheet and we're not running it because that's not fair to the kid. Coach, I really appreciate you sharing some of the details here of your defense and in, in transitioning out of this this idea and just looking overall for things that have helped you as a coach to be able to get to this position you are. I know you have a unique background, really having coached at just about every level of college football. What's been the key for you in your evolution as a coach and in moving through the coaching ranks and through the different positions you've held? I think the biggest thing that, you know, that's helped me is honestly just being a sponge everywhere that I have had the pleasure of working at and uh, all the people I've had the pleasure of working for and with. I'm a big believer that you can take something from everybody and you should, especially in this profession, that there's there's good, bad and uh, right, wrong and indifferent things that, that you can take from each stop along the journey. And I think for me, 
the biggest thing that I've been able to adhere to is really, you know, focusing on the people. Everything, you know, gets lost, I think, with wanting to be gurus and wanting to be X and O, you know, guys and all that stuff like that. But at the end of the day, th this profession and what we do is all is all people driven. And, and for me, I, I've always been a people person and have been really big on relationships, whether that's players, whether that's coworkers, whether that's, you know, the, the custodians in the office. Right. I think it's really important to be, you know, a man of the people and really build relationships with everyone, because at the end of the day, there's stuff to take from everybody. And me personally, you know, my unique journey being all over the country from Power Five to D3 to NAIA to all over, right? I've really, you know, put my hat on being able to build, you know, successful relationships. And I think that's allowed me to get to the position of being a defensive coordinator today is really being a sponge and learning from people and, and honestly swallowing pride and not being afraid to ask for help along the way. I think that's a big thing too that I will, you know, advise coaches to do, man, is, is at the end of the day, you know, especially as young coaches that are trying to, you know, make a name for yourselves and what have you, man, don't be afraid to ask for help. Shoot. Coach Saban, I'm sure, has asked for help a, a, a bunch of times. I'm sure Coach Belichick has, has asked for help a bunch of times. So I, I think for me, a big thing that's always helped me is not being afraid to ask for help and, and really reach out to resources and network as best you can because, again, this is a people's profession, and, and it's all about relationships. And the more you can cultivate relationships, it's going to lead you to where you want to get to in this profession, and I truly believe that. Coach, I really appreciate you taking time and sharing some insight in the way that you do things, and certainly best of luck to you and the Maroons here in 2024. Awesome, Coach. Again, I really appreciate you, and I really appreciate what you do for the community. This is an awesome resource. I advise, you know, first-time listeners to really subscribe to this thing because you're going to get a lot of gems from this podcast. Again, thanks, Coach, and looking forward to speaking again soon. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, multiplicity through simplicity. This has always been a huge one for me, and I think you need to present as many issues as you can to an offense or defense by making it complex for them, but simple for yourself. This is a product of utilizing the skill sets of your personnel and setting up a structure that allows you to do a lot with very few things that require new learning for your players. That's something that Coach Allen does very well. Two, train your hybrid players in all the skills that they will need to utilize to be successful. Having a dedicated coach for that player is necessary, but will be well worth the investment in coaching time. These are the players you identify to be able to utilize to give you matchup advantages, as well as moving them around to become very multiple. We have those kinds of players on both sides of the ball. Then it's being creative with the time to get done what you need to get done in practice, or if not possible, having the foresight to cross those ideas off the game plan because you didn't prepare that player for them enough. And three, to grow in this profession, ask for help. I know we've moved into a digital era where we have everything at our fingertips, but the interaction with the person who actually does those things and put together the presentation will always give you more insight and deeper understanding of whatever it is you're trying to learn or solve for. You'll find that most people in our profession will give you that time if you invest in building that relationship. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com to follow all we're doing and sign up for a weekly tip sheet which shares the best ideas from each episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review from the app you listen on. It really helps the podcast and we appreciate it. <laughs>